I have been admonished this week by some folks at camp because I wasn't in here Monday morning when they gave greetings, and I was told to correct that. We do have greetings from Richmond, Virginia, and we are thankful that the camp is in Virginia. We have so far to go. May we bow our hearts in a word of prayer. The prophet Isaiah teaches us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And our Father in heaven, thou knowest how true that is of the one who is to speak this evening, who is also weak and unworthy. So we pray, Father in heaven, that thou would speak to us through the power of thy Holy Spirit. And let us know that we are in the very presence of the living and almighty God. And this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. May we share several scriptures out of the Gospel of St. Matthew. Beginning with chapter 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with them. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared from you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it 
unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, or thirst, or stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, beginning with verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. would like to begin this evening's message with a story. A story about a father and a son. A relationship that was felt more within rather than the outward showing of affection. But I believe a deep love within. And the son used to spend a lot of time in his shop Pilling with his tools that he didn't know how to operate. And as he would work in that shop, he could hear the piddle-paddle of some feet coming in. That was his father. 
One day, as they often did in the wintertime, they went hunting. The sun in the early morning had shot a deer. And it wasn't too long after that that the father came down off of his hunting stand and started talking to his son. Now the son had been taught by the father to never leave your hunting stand. And as the conversation went, the father also mentioned that the truck wasn't turned or parked in the right way. It was parked not in the direction that the father wanted it. The son didn't think of these two things. And the conversation went on about, some, about a particular tool that the son wanted to buy. And as the morning ended, and it was lunchtime, as they went back to the clubhouse to eat and came back to the woods, the father went down and took the stand for the afternoon. And the son watched him. go to the woods, took his stool, and sat on it, and looked out into the woods, where the son had already killed a deer for that morning, and he wasn't going to go anymore. And he sat there and watched his father go, and then he went back to the clubhouse. The next time that the son saw his father, he was sitting in that stand, his hunting stand, and he had his knees, hands on his knees, and his head was slumped down. He was dead.
There are many times that we have to have separations in life for various things and for various reasons. The son did not realize how sick the father was. And the father had given two hints. One was he walked off his stand, which you never do. And the other was the direction of the truck. That was the last time that the son saw the father. That day was the last time that the son would speak to the father. Because the father was not a Christian and the son was. There was an eternal separation that day. Brothers and sisters, a revival Do we need a revival? And if we have a revival, what are we going to do with it? Are we so busy in our lives that we miss the simple things when somebody needs a need? Are we so wrapped up in our life that we miss the opportunities to speak because we are so concerned with ourselves? Or maybe we are so concerned with our fellowship, with our church, that we want to do things just right, that we want to dot every I and cross every T, that we forget that there are people in need that there are people living in sin that need to hear the gospel message. Are we so wrapped up?
within ourselves that we forget the need of a sinner. Are we so wrapped up that the church has to do everything correctly? Are we so wrapped up that it's got to be my way or the highway? Brothers and sisters, when we have that attitude in our fellowship, the church pays the consequences. Why do we need a revival? And what are we going to do with that revival? You know, as Christians, we don't always do everything right. Many times we fail. I fail many times. I fail my family. I don't always do everything that pleases them. And sometimes I'm pretty harsh on them. Ask them. Ask our little congregation in Richmond if I do everything right as a shepherd of the flock. I fail them also. Because I don't always do everything right. We who are God's children, who have been called out of a life of sin, still fail. But there is a big difference between a Christian who fails and the sinner who is separated from God. And that difference is Jesus Christ, because the true born-again believer realizes that he is not perfect of himself. He realizes that his righteousness is not that righteous. And he realizes that God looks upon him through his son who has saved him. And his son is interceding for that Christian who says, I have failed and I ask for forgiveness. 
and that proper relationship is restored. Yes, we need a revival. We need a revival to do God's will. And what is God's will? God's will is that all men be saved. And that we, as God's children, glorify Him in our thoughts, in our actions. Do we always do that? Brothers and sisters, are we so scared about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world that we don't get involved, that we miss the need of those who need to know Jesus Christ and maybe some other needs. How many of us are so scared that we back off because we don't want to get contaminated And we don't want to reach out to the lost because we're scared. It's going to rub off on us. Brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come for the righteous. Yes, we need a revival. Just not to do, to raise our families. And that's very important that we do. But what do we do from one generation to the next? Jesus Christ preached. He went. He taught in the synagogues. He went into the sinner's house. Zacchaeus was a sinner. He preached out in the countryside. And what did he preach? When he was 12 years old, he told his parents, I must be about my father's business. What was his father's business? 
We find that in Luke, the 14th chapter. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty that them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And that's what the apostles did after their conversion. And that's what the apostle Paul did. And he used a different word. But it's the same message. And the apostle Paul preached. And what has he preached? He said, this is the Apostle Paul, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be revived before we can, so we can send out the gospel message to those who are dead. To those who do not need to be revived, but to those who need to be made alive. And they are you who are outside of Jesus Christ. You are living in your sins and you are doomed to eternal damnation. And there will be a separation in the end. If you do not give your life to Jesus Christ, we just read it in Matthew, there is a final separation. Do you believe it? And we, as brothers and sisters, need to bring that message forth. That's why God put us here. And if we love the Lord enough, we will do it. When the Anabaptist movement was coming into being, when the light of God's word, if you will, was coming out of the dark ages, the Anabaptists were moved by God to separate themselves from the state church because it really wasn't alive. And they lived such a life that in one of the Chronicles, it was written about the Anabaptists, and this is what they said about the Anabaptists. It said, they knew nothing. They desired nothing. They sought nothing. 
but to love God alone. That's what they wanted. They loved nothing but God. Brothers and sisters, can we say that? That we know nothing, that we sought nothing, that we desire nothing, that we love nothing but God and God alone. When we get to that point, I haven't reached that point. I'd be a hypocrite if I said I did. When we get that point, we can reach out to the lost. You who are outside of Jesus Christ, you need to know Jesus. And we who are parents need to realize the age that we are living in. The scripture teaches us that there is no new thing under the sun. But our young folks are being exposed to more things than ever before. They are delving into more things than ever before. And in a lot of ways, whether we believe it or not, they are smarter. The scripture tells us in Daniel, the 12th chapter, verse 4, talking about one of the signs of the end times. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. We live in an information age. And we need to understand that so that we can relate to those who are lost. To those of you who are outside of Jesus Christ. You don't need a preacher to tell you that. Because you have heard the gospel message before. And when you reach a certain age, and I cannot tell you what that age is, but when you reach a certain age, God comes knocking at the door. Now what it takes, I don't know. 
God spoke to the prophet Elijah, and he had to get his attention. And he got his attention through the earthquake and the fire and the wind. But he spoke to him in a small, still voice, and he knew it. And you sinners who are outside of Jesus Christ, when you reach the age of accountability, when the Holy Spirit convicts you the first time, you are no longer free from sin. You are condemned to die eternally, to be separated unless there is repentance. You are no longer free. And you know it. Because in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of this heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And we have to deal with God, brothers and sisters, and sinners alike. We have to deal with God. And the only way to have a proper relationship to God is through Jesus Christ. He is the one who shed his blood. He is the only one that can save you and me. The church cannot save you. The apostolic Christian church cannot save you. The apostolic Christian church has never saved a soul. But the apostolic Christian church, by the grace of God, in its beliefs, and by the mercy of God, presents a way that a soul can find their salvation through repentance toward God because we are separated from God, from our Creator, because of the sin that we inherited from Adam. And when we reach that point of accountability, we are no longer free. We are condemned to die. And how? Can we escape? It is through faith in Jesus Christ. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Not that, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man boast. And the next verse talks about being created unto good works. For by grace are ye saved. What do you have to look forward to those of you who are outside of Jesus Christ? And you know who you are. The Holy Spirit has told you. The Holy Spirit has convicted you. And you know who you are. And if you don't report, repent from your sins, there will be a final separation. And he will say, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment. Yes, 
God is love. The Bible tells us so. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die upon the cross to shed his blood. And to rise anew that we too can have victory over sin. And he has ascended to the Father. And he's at the right hand interceding for those who have accepted him. And the Father accepts those of his children because the Father looks upon us through his Son. And that is what Jesus Christ does. That's what Jesus Christ did. And that's what Jesus Christ will do for you. We cannot make it on our own. And God wants us to repent, to turn away from our sins. A change of heart. A change of mind. And a change of life. And we can't do it on our own, but we can do it through God's grace and through God's power. Because he has gone to the Father and he has sent his Holy Spirit to dwell within believers. And sinners, if you think you can run from God, you're sadly mistaken. God is omnipotent. God is everywhere. You cannot hide. He is not bound by the things that we in our flesh are bound by. And if you want to know what you got to look forward to without Jesus Christ, it says, cast into the fire. What is fire? How many of us like a campfire? How many of us like, in the wintertime, if you have a fireplace in the house or with a wood stove or gas stove and you get warm by it and you get a little close to it, it feels good, doesn't it? But just think to those of you who are outside of Jesus Christ. Get a little bit closer to that fire. Get a little bit closer to that heat. To those of you who are outside of Jesus Christ. And it's, you start to feel it. And it doesn't feel very good because it's hot. And the closer you get, the hotter it gets. Think about that for eternity. And if you think you're getting hot, then you ain't felt nothing yet. Because you will be condemned not only to hell, but to the eternal flames. It says in Revelation that hell and death will be cast into the lake of fire. That's what you've got to look forward to. When the Holy Spirit speaks 
We need to listen. Do you want to be separated from your loved ones for an eternity? Do you want to be separated from your parents who might not do everything right? But because they have claimed Jesus Christ and realized that they have that proper relationship, you will be separated as that father and that son. Is that what you want? Remain in your sins, then you will. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? That question is applicable to us today. And you might not think nothing of Christ. You might not think nothing of your salvation tonight or tomorrow. But you are thinking of Christ when you do that. You cannot escape. Brothers and sisters, what do we think of Christ? What we think of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters and sinners alike, determines two things. What we think of Jesus Christ determines our character as we walk on this earth. And what we think of Jesus Christ determines where we will spend eternity. Think about it. Old Satan living in the world of mass confusion where contentment is hard to find 
living in the days of revelation with old Satan close behind. I've been talked about and laughed at. I've been locked out in the cold. But I don't aim to give old Satan any claim upon my soul. You better look around. You better look around. You better be wondering what salvation's all about. You better believe and understand before Satan takes your hand. He's going to take you. But it ain't going to be to the promised land. When your friends are all turned against you, even though you've done your best, say a prayer and keep on trying. And let the good Lord do the rest. When temptation's all around you and you feel like turning back, just remember that old Satan is right there breathing down your back. You better look around. You better look around. You better be wondering what salvation's all about. You better believe and understand before old Satan takes your hand. He's going to take you. But it ain't going to be to the promised land. Oh, sinner, how long, how long will you allow Satan to lead you to the flames? The story that took the message, that started the message this evening, took place on November the 15th, 1982. I know. I was there. I am the son. Could we sing hymn number 53, verses 1, 2, 3, and 5? And I'd like to ask that only those who have the Lord as, as their Savior sing verse number 5 and that we sing it retarded, slow down. <laughs> 